you have your copy of God's Word with you, and I hope you do, I want you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 19. And if there was ever a time that you needed a copy of God's Word, it would be a day like today because we're going to be looking through some different scriptures this morning trying to unpack the truth that we're going to be talking about. And and let me say as I begin that that if there is a subject that I feel ill-prepared to communicate about, it would be this subject. Because it is a difficult subject to understand. It is a deep subject to understand. And yet it's a subject that I'm afraid the church, the body of Christ, hasn't addressed um, at least in the last hundred years or so. This morning we're continuing our series in Proverbs. And and what I really want to talk to you about is the key to success. And, And the key to success is going to surprise you because... It's something that we all seek to avoid. It's something that we try to overcome. It's something that we even deny. You see, the key to your success is fear. Now, let me say that again. The key to your success in life is fear. Now, fear is something that we all face, regardless of our age, regardless of our emotional makeup, regardless of of our psychological profile, we all have to deal with fears. Everybody is afraid of something. I am convinced that it is only the fool that is not afraid of anything. You think that someone who has no fear is a, is a brave man. No, the person that has no fear is a foolish man. Now, psychologists tell us that we are born with only two fears. There is the fear of falling. We're born with that fear. And there is the fear of loud noises. That's why when a, when a baby her, hears a loud noise, that baby is most often startled. That baby will most often cry because they are born with that fear of loud noises. But as we grow older, it seems like we develop a number of different fears. There was a study that was done several years back, uh, a study of 500 people. And they discovered that those 500 people had between them 7,000 different fears. 500 people, and between them they had 7,000 different fears. That's 14 fears a person. That's a lot of fears. This past week, I, I, I went to the internet and went online and I looked up fears. I looked up phobias. And I discovered that there were over 50. 15 different pages of fears and phobias. Let me give you some. There is a blutophobia. A blutophobia is the fear of washing or bathing. Now, let me just say, I hope none of you have that fear. And if you have that fear, that's probably why you are sitting all alone. But there's a blutophobia. And then there is chromatophobia. Chromatophobia is the fear of money. Now, if you have a fear of money, let us help you. We will take that money right from you and leave you of that fear. And then there is chiatophobia. Chiatophobia is the fear of hairy people. <laughs> I, I don't know, but remember the old chia pet? Chiatophobia is the fear of hairy people. And then there is 
geniophobia. And as you get older, I think I'm developing that, this fear. It's the fear of chins. You look in the mirror and you go, oh my goodness, I have more than one of those now. Genotophobia, the fear of chins. And then there's ophthalmophobia. Ophthalmophobia is the fear of being stared at. Well, you don't have that fear. The fear of being stared at. And then pallidophobia, the fear of bald people. Fear of... <laughs> and then there's phallocrophobia, the fear of becoming bald. I- I've got that fear. And then there's ecclesiophobia. Ecclesiophobia is the fear of church. Seems like a lot of people have that fear, amen? And then there is homeolophobia, not homophobia, but homeolophobia, which is the fear of sermons. There is actually a fear that people have, the fear of sermons. There are all kinds of fears, and yet over and over, the Bible tells us to fear not. The Bible tells us that God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but he gives us a spirit of love and power and a sound mind. We are told that God's perfect love cast out all fear. And yet, we are told in God's word that there is one fear and just, just one fear that we all need. And that fear is the fear of God. As a matter of fact, listen to me, don't miss this, you will never truly live life until you experience the fear of God. Now now look at Proverbs 19 verse 23. Notice what it says. The fear of the Lord leads to life. The fear of the Lord leads to life. Then, only then, can one rest content, untouched, By the trouble of the world. In other words, the fear of the Lord leads to life. And when you have that fear of the Lord, it is at that point that all the other fears in life aren't going to bother you anymore. Now, turn in your Bibles or look on the screen to John 4, Proverbs 14, 27. And in verse 27 of chapter 14, it says this. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Uh, turning a man from the snares of, die, of, of death. Now, now, those are your two verses for this week. Those are the verses that I want you to put on Facebook. Those are the verses that I want you to put on Twitter. The fear of the Lord leads to life. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Put those both of those on your Facebook profile. Put both of those on your Twitter account. And then hashtag Northside. Because understand the fear of the Lord. It's something that our society knows nothing about today. And yet Solomon said, if you want to have life both now and forever, you've got to have a fear of the Lord. Do you get that? He says you're not going to live life unless you have a fear of the Lord. You're not going to have life everlasting, a fountain of life, eternal life, unless you have a fear of the Lord. And yet, we hardly ever hear anyone talk about that today. 
We hardly ever hear sermons on the fear of the Lord. We hardly ever hear Bible studies about the fear of the Lord. We hardly read any books about the fear of the Lord. We just don't talk about the fear of the Lord. And when we do, when we do hear someone talk about the fear of the Lord, we hear them speak of it with qualifiers. They, they try to explain what it doesn't mean. We're living in a day and age when, when we have no fear of the Lord. I just believe with all my heart, we are living in a nation, we are living in a culture where we have lost the fear of God. And I believe the reason is because either we have no clue who God is, or we have a false clue idea of who God is. So what does it mean to fear the Lord? Well, the Bible speaks of fear in two ways, especially when it comes to our relationship with God. And let's start with the most obvious definition. The fear of the Lord means what it says. To fear means to be afraid. To fear means utter, absolute terror. Now let that sink in. When it says that we are to fear the Lord, it means that we are to be afraid of Him. We are to look at Him And have absolute, utter terror. The word that is translated fear in these two verses and and every other place in the book of Proverbs is the Hebrew word yirar. It is found 41 times in the Old Testament. I want you to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 14. This isn't on your note sheet. Deuteronomy chapter 14. Or excuse me, Deuteronomy chapter 2. Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 25. In Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 25, we read this. This very day, I will begin to put the terror and fear of you on all the nations under heaven. They will hear reports of you and they will tremble and be in anguish because of you. Now, that word fear in verse 25 is the same word for fear in Proverbs 19. And notice what it says. I am going to make the nations fear you, the nation of Israel. And they are going to fear you in such a way that they are going to be terrified by you. They are going to tremble at you and they are going to be anguished by you. And the Bible says that happened. Do you remember when, when Joshua sent the, the two spies into Jericho? And, and a, a, a harlot named Rahab hid those two spies. Do you remember that? Well, listen to what Rahab said in Joshua 2, verses 9 through 11. It says, and she said to them, the spies... I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites uh, east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, listen, our hearts melted 
And everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Do you notice what that said? In Deuteronomy, God said, I am going to call the the nations to live in absolute terror of you. And in Joshua, we discover that that is exactly what happened. The people of the promised land were afraid. They were terrified of the Israelites because they understood that their God was an all-powerful God and they were coming in his power. And so you need to understand when it talks about the fear of God, it's talking about utter terror. Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 30. In Ezekiel chapter 30, verse 13, God is speaking. And God says this to his people. Ezekiel 30, verse 13. He says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will destroy the idols... And put an end to the images in Memphis. No longer will there be a prince in Egypt. And I will spread fear. Gerar. I will spread fear throughout the land. Now what is he speaking of? He's speaking of terror there. And so when the Bible says that we are to fear God. First and foremost. It means that we are to be absolutely terrified in his presence and understand i believe today that the reason that we aren't is because we really do not understand who he is you see when we come to understand that god is an all-knowing all-powerful god and one day we must stand before him and give an account of our life to him that should bring fear To us, God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. God is just. God is righteous. And when we realize that we must stand before him, if that does not put a tremble in our steps, then something is indeed wrong. You see, we have so diluted who God is and what he expects... That we have raised a nation of people who have no fear of God. God isn't to be feared. Do you remember what God said when he gave the people the Ten Commandments? In Exodus chapter 20, you need to understand that the Bible says that God gave these commands to all the people. The people were gathered and God spoke. And God gave them the commandments. And then in verses 18 and 20, this is what it says. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen. But don't have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you and keep you. From sinning. When the people heard God and came into the presence of God, they were absolutely terrified before Him. And Moses said, The reason that God did this is so that you will understand who He is and it will keep you from sinning. 
You see, the reason that there is no fear of God in our land today is because we just don't know who God is. In Hebrews 10 verse 31, it says, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. In the 18th century, the the great theologian and educator and preacher Jonathan Edwards preached a message entitled Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And in that message, which he read from a manuscript, he described mankind dangling over the pit of hell because of our sins. And history records that people literally fell on their faces before God and crawled to the altar in fear and repentance before God. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands Of the living God. I can't imagine anything more horrifying than standing before God one day, having rejected Him and realizing that now He's my judge. In Luke 12, verse 5, Jesus said this Jesus said, God is the one you must fear. Not only can He take your life, and He can do that at any moment. He can throw you into hell. God is certainly the one you should fear. Listen very carefully. We talk about the love of God. We sing about the love of God. But look at me. You will never truly understand and experience and relish the love of God until you understand the fear of God. Let me say that again. You will never truly understand, experience, or relish in the love of God until you have first experienced the fear of God. So fear is, first of all, utter, absolute terror. When we recognize who God is, He is all-powerful, He is all-knowing, He is absolute holy, and we recognize that one day we must stand before Him, that brings fear into our lives. But, once we have that fear, and we begin to discover who God is, that terror turns to complete respect. It turns to all. And I would add to that submission. In Psalm 33 verse 8 it says this, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere Him. Someone said it this way. They said the fear of God is the affectionate reverence by which the child of God bends beneath or bends himself humbly and carefully to his father's law. His wrath is so bitter, and yet his love so sweet, that hence springs an earnest desire to please him. Someone else said it this way. The fear of God does not mean to live in terror, to live in terror, but neither is the phrase to be weakened, By any lip service about awe and reverence that does not bring the heart into submission to God. Fear is the human response to being in the presence of God and discovering the identity of God. 
It's what Isaiah did in Isaiah chapter 6 when he came into the presence of God and he says, Woe is me. I am a sinner. I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. It's what John did when he was on that island of Patmos and he saw the resurrected Lord. And the Bible says that he fell on his face as if he were dead and Jesus said to him, Fear not. When we realize who God is and we enter into God's presence, it's going to affect our lives. The fear of God is, is the way a child, a small child, looks at his father when he thinks that his father knows everything and can do anything. When we fear God, we will acknowledge him as the creator and we are the creatures. We will recognize He is the Father and, and we are the children. He is the Master and we are the servants. So what happens when we fear the Lord? What happens when, when we have that utter terror, we recognize who God is and, and that terror turns into awe and reverence and submission? I believe, I th- believe three things happen when we fear God. The first thing is this. When we fear the Lord, we will turn from our sins. I want you to understand, when we fear God, it will cause us to turn from sin. I want you to listen to some verses. These aren't on your note sheet. You can write these down. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 8, verse 13, the wicked do not fear God. Paul, when he was describing people who did not know the Lord in Romans 3, verse 18, said this. There is no fear of God before their eyes. David said the reason people live in sin in Psalm 36, verse 1, was this. There is no fear of God before their eyes. But Solomon encouraged us in Proverbs 3, verse 7. He said, fear the Lord And turn away from evil. When we fear the Lord, when we understand who He is, it will inevitably lead us to turn from evil. When we recognize that God is a holy God who hates sin and we understand what sin does, it separates us from God, it it destroys our life, it will cause us to turn from sin. That's what repentance is. Repentance is turning from sin and we can't be saved apart from repentance. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul is talking to the church at Corinth and he's talking to them about all kind of of lifestyles and, and choices, sinful choices that that people make. And, and he says this beginning in verse 9. He says, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that's what some of you were. But... You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Don't miss that. Paul said, this is what you were. But something happened. 
Your life was changed. You turned from your sin. There are some today that, that believe that God's grace allows us to live however we choose. And I would say that that's true. But the only caveat is this. When we've experienced God's grace, our desire will be to choose holiness. We may struggle with wrong decisions. We may struggle with sinful choices. But if we have experienced God's grace in our life, then the desire of our heart will be to live a Christ-like life, a holy life. When we fear God, we will turn from sin. And so my first question to you is this. Have you feared God? Has it called you to, caused you to turn from sin? Is there a desire in your life to, to live a holy life free from the power and the bondage of sin? If you're here today and you think that, that God's grace is an excuse for you to live however you want, then you've misunderstood the grace of God and you've never experienced the fear of God. Second thing, when we fear the Lord, we will trust Him. When we come to that point where we truly fear Him, it will cause us to trust Him. Him. That's what Solomon said in Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 7. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. He will make your path straight. In other words, He'll direct your life. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. So don't trust yourself Trust God. In Psalm 40 verse 3 it says, Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. You see, God gives us a choice. We can put our trust in Him or we can put our trust in man. Solomon tells us twice in the book of Proverbs that there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. In other words... There is a way that, that human wisdom says must be true. It must be correct. It must be right. But it's not right. It's not true. It won't lead to life. It will lead to death. That's the wisdom of man. It will lead to death. When we trust God, it, it means that we rely on Him. We depend on Him. We, we lean on Him. Man's logic says, I don't need God but wisdom says, I can't live without God. Man's logic says, I can do this on my own. But the fear of God tells us that my best will never be good enough. I need help. And then God points us to the cross. And we realize that in spite of our sin... In spite of our rebellion and in spite of all our sinful choices, God has provided a way of forgiveness. And that way of forgiveness is His grace and the cross. When we fear God, we will turn from sin. When we fear God, we will trust Him for our salvation. We will trust Him with our life. And finally, when we fear God, we will obey Him. 
And that's what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13. He says, now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God. Keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. The fear of God will lead us to turn from our sin. The fear of God will cause us to come to that point where we realize our best is never good enough and we place our trust in him. But the fear of God will inevitably lead us to a life of obedience. When we understand who God is and how much he loves us in spite of our sin and rebellion, it will cause us to desire a life of obedience to him. That means we will do what he says. And see, most of us, when we think about obedience, we we think about the negative. I will be obedient by not doing And we fill in the blanks. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to do that anymore. But that's turning from sin. Obedience means that I'm going to do those things God tells me to do. When he touches my heart to give, I'm going to give. When he he leads me to to go to the other side of of the world to share the gospel, I'm going to do it. When he leads me to go across the street and minister to my neighbor, I'm going to do it. When his word speaks clearly to an area in my life, I'm going to do whatever he says. Now, how do we get to the point where we fear God? I mean, how does this happen? Because we're living in a day and age where, where we're told the wicked do not fear God. I, I shared with you earlier that I believe that we are living in a generation in which there is hardly any fear of God anymore. So how do we get to that point where, where we fear God? When well, Deuteronomy chapter 31, you can write this down. Verses 12 and 13, it says this. Assemble the people, the men, the women, and the children, and the aliens living in your towns, that means the foreigners, so they can listen and learn to fear the Lord your God and follow carefully all the words of this law. Their children who do not know this law must hear it and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. And so God says, here's the way. You learn to fear God. And you learn to fear God by opening up His Word and letting the truth of His Word permeate your life, flow to your heart, and speak truth to you. And when you do that, the fear of the Lord will begin to guide and direct you. But here's the thing. The fear of the Lord is a choice. You see, you can leave this room today and you can say, I'm not going to live in fear of God. I'm not going to recognize that he is an all-powerful, all-knowing, holy God. And I've got to stand before him and give an account. I'm not going to live my life in complete submission and reverence and all to him. I'm not going to live that way. You have that choice. In Proverbs 1 verse 29, it says, they hated knowledge and they chose Not to fear the Lord. You have a choice. You don't have to fear the Lord. But I love what A.W. Tozier said. He said, no one can know the grace of God 
who has not first known the fear of God. You will never know the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God until you first understand the fear of God. And so what about it? Do you fear God? Do you recognize that he is the creator of all and you are simply the creation? Do you understand that this world is not about you, it's about him? Do you understand that the ultimate purpose of life is not to be happy? The ultimate purpose of life is to bring glory to him. When we understand the fear of the Lord, it changes everything. It changes the way we live. It changes the way we think. It changes the way we respond through our words. It changes everything because we understand that we're not the center of life. He is. We are the all-powerful one. He is. We're not the all-knowing one. He is. And we come to understand that that one day we're not going to stand before God and God's going to say to us, what can I do for you? No, we're going to stand before God one day and we're going to give an account of our lives to him. And that changes everything. Now, some of you are saying, Rocky, that sounds legalistic. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because you're never going to discover the grace of God, the mercy of God, until you first know the holiness of God, the righteousness of God. You're never going to know what it is to love Him until you first of all fear Him. Because until you fear Him, all of your love for Him is going to be polluted. And diluted. And it's going to be. It's going to be far less. Than what God deserves. So do you fear God? I want you to bow your head. And close your eyes. And if you're here. This morning. And, and you've never. Truly experienced the fear of God. In your life. Then let me remind you what Solomon said. The fear of the Lord leads to life. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. You're not going to have life apart from fearing the Lord. You've got to come to God understanding who he is. And when you understand who he is, you give your life to him. You don't bow up in rebellion. You bow down in submission because he's God. The fear of the Lord will cause you to turn from sin because he's a holy God. The fear of the Lord will cause you to trust him completely because he is all powerful. And the fear of the Lord will cause you to obey him because you really do believe that he has your best interest at heart. So have you feared him? Have you turned from sin? Have you trusted him and him alone to save you? Have you made that decision to be obedient and follow him the rest of your life? If you haven't, then I want to humbly beg you right now to quit living in rebellion and surrender to him.
You can pray this prayer to him right now. God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I've lived in rebellion against you. I'm so sorry. I don't want to live that way anymore. Right now, I'm turning from my sin, my rebellion, my self-will. I'm trusting you with my life and my salvation. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me, rose from the dead for me, and I'm trusting you. Not only to save me, but to guide me. And I'm giving my life to you. Whatever you want, whatever you ask, I'm yours. Thank you for hearing me, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. Amen.